Welcome back to a conversation on Sixers. Eh, I gotta redo it. <laughs> My brain gets so stuck when we're doing a new series. I don't know how to say it. Um, okay, yes, alright. Thanks for joining us today. It's Greg, Scott, and Zach. Today we're having a conversation on success. Starting a new series, talking about what does success actually look like, and uh, hope you enjoy it. Welcome to election week. Wait, is it really still that? Huh? Is that still going on? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I can't believe you looked at me and went, what? I got a what? <laughs> really? I love reallys. <laughs> For a moment, I thought I missed something. <laughs> hey! Burr, 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 burr. Just, we don't have any guests with us today, do so good. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it's earlier than we normally podcast. I wonder how this is going to have effect on our end product. Well, you know, when the standards are set so high. <laughs> yeah, we've got high standards. Hey, we're, you know what? What's kind of fun is that we are moving into a new season, a new series. Yeah. And uh, you're drinking a Topo Chico that's a two liter. Today's I wish it was two liter, man. Is sponsored by Kelsey accidentally buying the larger Topo Chicos. No, They're that's just what, the what they carry now. They don't carry. <gasps> the business center only carries oh, the big ones let's now. Let's go. Game over. This is this is all I need. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, so we're gonna talk about success. What 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 is success in U.S. politics these days? Uh, so what I would hope, like the core of my hope, <laughs> is that wouldn't it be great? Is if no matter what side you're on, the thing that was driving you is you want the best for the country the best for people and the challenge is that I feel like the thing that people want is to win and for the other people to like it's not about the best for people it's like making sure whatever the other group wants doesn't that's know. interesting because the 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 rise of democracy was selfish it was move, this movement from uh, I want what's I serve this lord, this king, this person, and they choose what's best for everybody, too. No, I want a voice in what's best for me. And so democracy is really built on selfishness. You know what's interesting, though? I was just reading this yesterday because we talk a lot about our democracy, but our country is actually a republic, a constitutional republic. Representative Republic? I didn't like really think about that because we think that we actually have a full democracy when in fact we live as a republic where we... Well, there's no democracy. Right. Well, it's like on state levels it's democratic, but then all of our elected officials is republic. It's not democratic because we don't vote on every issue. True. And not everybody's involved, so we can't... Well, it's... So the... 
Again, it does really go back to our conversation on success is that um, one, so the extreme, so a monarchy, uh, single decision maker says that what's best for all people can be decided by one. And then the total other end of it is that the best to know for anybody, any individual, is only themselves. And there is nobody outside of themselves that can know or be what is best. And, you know, we're somewhere in the middle. I don't know. Which, uh, it, the, if you remove, I, I don't know, that if the goal is that we want the best for all people, maybe there can be uh, a, a monarchy or a, a full democracy could be healthy. We want the best, what is for all people. Yeah. But when you say, uh, it's just, I... The thing that's been most painful to me about politics in the recent history is that there hasn't been a moment where I just, I'm waiting for like COVID was like this moment to say, hey, let's set politics aside and let's just, this is a moment for us to really try to have the best for all people here. Yeah, that nope, it happen. became political yeah. instantly. That's great. And that's so good. And that, it, that's not a moment of saying what was the right thing or the wrong thing to do, but what if there was just like this group declaration like the standing on the steps of the capitol like hey this is a this is an important moment in our world and our country and we're going to work hard together to make this the best that we possibly can we're gonna, and no nope. yeah it's almost like uh you know i i'm pretty anti-war but when you look in the history of nations the most unified moments are in the midst of war. Yeah. Which For is, sure. it's like, in the absence of having an enemy, we've created our own enemy. Yeah. Sure. It, which is bizarre in that, you know, that's all while we've been in the longest declared wars in the United States. Not declared. Not ended. We haven't declared a war since Korea, Vietnam. I don't know. I, I guess I'm going to say ignorant, but... Congress I, has to declare war. So if the president goes, we're going in. That's I declare bankruptcy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, in the midst of, the, of war, there's also the most creativity, the most innovation has all taken place. Uh, the, the thing... <laughs> And thinking about the impact of what, so post-World War II, so much, like our country radically changed post-World War II. Mm-hmm. It's coming out of the Depression, coming out of the World War. Uh, there was this new affluence, there was new creativity. People moved like never before. There was, anyway, all these things happened. I have had jobs. Yeah. So much happened outside of what was viewed as like one of our dark moments, for sure, in modern history, of uh, World War II, incredible cost, depression, and just, uh, and so, uh, maybe that's the, the thing to look forward to? Uh, yeah, I think it's hard to, it's really hard to have that perspective when you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, the great thing about, in that World War II moment, too, is that that's, in modern history is the closest we've come to monarchy in Roosevelt in the fourth term. He died in his fourth term, right? I don't know. Uh, but anyway, yeah. he was like the the leader that was trusted. 
long term. Oh, Teddy? Yeah. Good old Teddy? Is no, why they're called? Oh, Frankie. Coming out of World War II. Anyway, so, you know, who, who can we trust in the midst of the most chaos? And then we look at that today. Who can we trust? Politically. Uh, yeah. We don't talk about politics much. Podcast, blog, or Sundays. Nope. Nor should we. <laughs> I think when you talk about politics, there's a difference between talking about history and policy and the impact on people and 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 then all of the garbage that comes along with it. I think one of those, I think that's good to talk about. I also think talking about getting in all of the garbage is not really. Yeah. I just received revelation that somebody will win the election. It's good. I know a prophecy. Well, the church, it, I, I think about Jesus's moment, his statement of apoliticalism when they brought the you know, they said, Who should, should we, are you going to pay your taxes? Mm. And Jesus said, bring me a coin. And said, you know, give, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and God what is God's. And uh, again, that was the, the hope in that questioning of Jesus in that moment was that it was going to be a divisive moment where Jesus was going to say, you know, forget Rome. Let's, let's incite a revolution. But Jesus was, he didn't. Or the opposite, where it would be like, actually, the government's here for, for your benefit. Yep. Which would have been a another, different do, revolution. We need to do civil yeah. war. Yeah. Some government. The issue is when we when the church has given up, and given up its hope in Christ for hope in a political savior. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that uh, if the people in Jerusalem at Jesus' lifetime would have said uh, this is the worst political era ever. <laughs> mm. And maybe we've all, maybe every generation has said that. But you know, to think about, you know, so we, we're here and you know, they're not for us and mm. we have some insiders that are selling out to them and no matter what we say, it's divisive. All that's like, oh, all those things sound quite familiar. So what does Jesus do in the midst of that? Mm. Serves people. Loves yeah. Sacrifices for people. Is the Messiah. Yeah. So today we're jumping into uh, our new series. And um, at Corner Church, we've, we've put together a list of ways that we define what success looks like. Mm-hmm. Success as a church. Success as a uh, Christian, uh, follower of Christ. And so today, um, we're talking about the first week, the first thing, how we as a church measure success. Yeah. And so when we think about, so some of the backstory of success, and I don't want to dive too deep into this because it can, I don't want it to become angsty, but in the... You're the Xer here. Oh boy. Where do you think the angsty comes from? <laughs> we can get pretty angsty. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever met a millennial. Um, I'm sorry that angst is not your responsibility. It was done to you and you need a, a helmet to protect you from it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. An emotional helmet. That's an extra trying to slam a millennial. A millennial <laughs> emotional helmet. That should, we need to mass produce those. <laughs> this will keep you safe from an emotional crash. 
Um, That's fun. But there, the heart behind what we're talking about in in this weekend is that um, what you determine as success is not just about achieving that, but whatever you're aiming for has huge impact that reciprocates out of that. And so um, in the church world, if you say uh, success is uh, packing out a building, building a bigger building, packing out a building, building a bigger building, there's the beauty of that is that there's uh, people are being served, Christ is being represented, there's life transformation. But when you set the success point is packing out a building and then building a bigger one, is that then what you do is you do everything you can to pack out a building and do everything you can to build a bigger building. And so there, there can be some twisting of what can be beautiful. If you say uh, success for a business is you know making the most money, if success as a business is taking over other businesses, or if you say success as a family is just not breaking apart, uh, if success as an individual is uh, you know, making the most money, being knowing the most, all these different things. What you determine as success will reciprocate backwards in how you live your life. So even if there's a good measure of success, you're saying that it, you can do the wrong things in order to achieve what would be considered success. Yeah. So like, I know, like for a long time, it was viewed that businesses number one role was to get a return for their shareholders yeah and then we've seen i mean we've come a long way because of regulation and stuff but before all of that we saw you know child labor like all these different things yeah. that uh were in pursuit of a good thing i think being a profitable business is a good thing yeah. but also it, was, it came with costs yeah think about there's a bunch of great boring articles on what happened a couple of years with Wells Fargo in success is signing up new new bank accounts, signing getting people to have new bank accounts is success. Yeah. Which is that's a good measure for a bank. But if that measure of success causes people who work for the bank to sign up people for new accounts without their knowledge. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna go work for Target soon and start signing people up for rent cards. <laughs> Didn't See, know. But the, I mean, that is such a, again, what a great illustrator is that the measure of success is to get people to engage in your products. That, that's very noble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then when uh, the reciprocating impact of determining that success is that people go, oh, I need to do anything and everything I can do to get more people signed up to have new bank accounts. And so in order to do that, I'm going to do, do it without their knowledge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and one thing I think that fits corner really well and I th- and why I'm excited to do this series is because uh, I think it's typically when you think of success you think of like oh these are what the leaders measure the the rest of everybody by mm-hmm. yeah. like you like it's like always like how many red cards did you sign up well, your managers asking you like it's always top down but our measures of success are more written in a way of uh, encouraging everybody to participate in that reflection of success so well it's hard to put numbers on the things that we define success. There is responsibility for every person involved to do this process and uh, share with one another. Yeah. And I think it's important to build into the foundation as well is that when we look at measures of success, we have to use the word a as opposed to the. 
Yeah. When you say, yeah. here is the measure of success, that's really dangerous. Yeah. yeah. But when you say, here's a measure, <clears throat> it gives this opportunity to, uh, to actually measure success through that lens, but also gives an open doorway for other measures to be used as well. And that's important as individuals, but really important as communal reality is that uh, if we think that the measure of success is the same for everybody, yeah. think about if you're introvert, extrovert reality. So measure of success for me is how much time I'm spending with people. As an extrovert person, that may be a good measure of how I'm engaging, how healthy I am. But if I look at an introvert person and going, wow, you're such a failure because you you're energized by being alone. And again, that A measure is such a powerful, powerful thing. It's interesting that we're kind of naturally inclined, even in our culture, to be destination-oriented. And we've talked about this a lot of times in different messages, but we, we often see that there's an end goal, and so we set our measures of success based on where we want to end up. And we then, by any means possible, get to that end goal which is how I think Wells Fargo can get to the point of doing what they did or whatever it is when we get to a point of here's my end goal, this I have defined it as success and I'm going to get there by any means possible. But that what if success is really actually centered around here's all these different things that are within the process and within the journey and maybe I don't know where I'm going to end up but so long as I'm kind of connecting with these points in process mm. uh, and and I'm not trying to get to a destination by any means possible. I think that really frames for me what success actually looks like in terms of faith, in terms of church, but it's a lot harder to measure, as Greg said, because yeah. if it's not a number at the end of the, the month or if it's not uh, a project that has been completed fully by the end of a time frame, it's, it's just a different, you feel like, oh, am, I, am I really being successful? Yeah, and I, I don't want to be the Wells Fargo thing to death, but the, you know, the directive from the top uh, had a huge impact. There wasn't a moment where uh, the CEO of Wells Fargo was saying, by all means, sign up, is like lie to people, work yeah. behind their back, whatever. But th declaring what has what is success uh, impacts people outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's responsibility in that. And so the thing that, uh, again, just to give a little bit of background and then uh, a measure of success that we're going to bring to the surface. We haven't even said it yet. I know. So <laughs> is that... I just so realizing it. This thinking about if you ask the question... You know, scripturally, of people who's who's vital, who's important. What's uh, you know, talking about monarchy, democracy, biblically. So who who is important as we think about success? And just I, Greg and Zach, these guys always give me a hard time because I always go back to the body of Christ picture, Paul's thing. But the so if we're gonna talk about success, Paul would say it's about everybody. It's about it's about the hand, the foot, the earlobe, the elbow, whatever. I knew you'd bring the body into this. I know. And so when we measure success, it's got to go back to, it's everybody. And then uh, when you go back to success again, you have to ask the question, um, you know, well, 
what what are people gonna do and uh, um, what, what is the most important and so when you think about what's most important it goes to the great commandment uh, Jesus was asked again to be cornered you know what 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 is the command that is most vital most important so it's about Jesus response was the Shema of loving God and then in this picture of loving people mm-hmm. and so Who's a, who's a part of it? Everybody. What are we supposed to do? Love God, love people. And then the question, well, how are we supposed to live that out? And I love Jesus' words when, again, he was being asked to be cornered. Jesus responds by sharing a parable of when, <clears throat> you know, when I was hungry, when I was thirsty, when I was in prison, when I was isolated, when I had radical need. You did incredible things for me. When did we do that? When you did it to the least of these. Mm-hmm. And so how do we love God, how do we love people, is by serving people selflessly uh, and and without requirement of return. Hmm. I think when when you think about the least, it's when you're loving somebody without the expectation of return. And so you can love and serve people that can offer return, but if it's about the return, we're missing, missing it. And so with that and those things as the filter, uh, the measure of success that we're bringing to the table is that we want to measure success by looking around at life. Uh, when you look at a corner church body person and you remove all of the church calendar things from their, their life and go, what what is left that you're doing that's animated, motivated, that's in response to your faith in Jesus? Hmm. And that's uh, really a terrible question because... Uh, it opens, like, success as a church feels really good when you say success is that when X number of people come on a Sunday. Yeah. Because then your personal responsibility is to be one of yeah. that number. And when you invite someone, you feel like, wow, I'm really, I'm doing it. I'm, yeah. But then that becomes the most important thing. Yeah. But then you, you also see that, um, you know, my piece of that success inviting you know I, two people came two of a thousand people well you know, I guess I'm a part of the success but it's not really my responsibility mm-hmm. and I think then, it's actually really beautiful that you do bring up the body because uh, if the measure is, is whatever, whatever is animated and motivated by our faith in Jesus apart from corner from church activities yeah uh, the response to that just like the response to, if you if you were going to cook a meal every body part does a different thing like your yeah. mouth doesn't do all the chopping and your hands don't do the tasting like right like what it's you, all what different are your feet doing they're they're moving you around they're just shuffling. <laughs> to to actually get the meal to get to success every body part does a different thing and the same way in this is uh what animates me and motivates me may actually be different and we should have appreciation and value those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, just just to build this picture more, there, there are a thousand things in a follower of Christ, a Christian's life, that are motivated by their faith. Maybe that's aggressive. <laughs> but there are a lot of things that are motivated, and they're all... There's... Uh, I would say that, again, most, if not all of them, those are really beautiful. When something is motivated by your faith, that has potential to be really beautiful. But if you remove just 
for us and a measure of success if we remove the church calendar things and go what's what's left this is when we look at what's left that's where we're going to make the determiner of what is success now it doesn't mean if there's if there's nothing left that doesn't mean that failure is guaranteed success is not potentially there maybe and if there's a thousand things there it doesn't necessarily mean that that's success yeah and so the thing is is that you remove those things and say all right when we remove that, now we're going to use this as our baseline to start determining what is success. So should I, instead of showing up to our Sunday gathering, should I just go do something else that I would say is motivated by my faith? Maybe. <laughs> but that, again, that's it's a beautiful question because it's not a moment to diminish the value of what we do on our calendar. Yeah. yeah. But rather, to give value to our calendar is the things that are happening outside of the calendar. Yeah. It's, for me, the picture that's different of maybe the church that I grew up in when we're, uh, like, we're, like, hurriedly getting to church because we got out the door late, and, I mean, this is just uh, an example, but we see we see a car on the side of the road that, like, somebody looks like they're working, like, they just blew a tire, and, like, we don't even think because... Oh, we're late for church. And it's the difference of like, oh, I, I was late for quote-unquote church today because I was church today. Then yeah. we encounter like these moments in our day-to-day when maybe we're on the way to do a organized church calendar activity and God says, oh, here's, here's an opportunity to be outside the calendar to literally do church. So we're going to, at the end of this series, we're going to be bringing up with our concepts of loving our local, doing it early, and doing it together, and uh, the, which really, we've talked about that a lot, but it's that moment when you go, hey, uh, one thing that we do as a church is we invest in missions, and I'm sorry, neighbor, that you have a need. It's important for me to invest somewhere else. And so, it's, again, it's easy to use a simple measure of success as a parameter that excuses you from doing what may be, like, in your face. God, it would be great if you'd send somebody to help my neighbor. Uh, that's a great prayer to pray when it's sending you. Yeah. I think, again, the, the danger of any measure of success is the twisting of it. So if you say, all right, you can... We're going to measure success by what we're doing because of our faith outside of church stuff. And so, perfect, I want to be successful, so I'm going to do, let me add 10 things today that are, look like faith, that or are faith things outside of church stuff. Yeah. Again, that's the importance of saying, again, success isn't just the things outside of church calendar stuff, but that's the place as the environment to start to determine if success is happening. So success isn't signing up new bank accounts, but signing up new bank accounts is the environment where you would start to evaluate success. Yeah, I think uh, in this conversation, as I was reading through it yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, I think it's going to be really easy for people to be focused on the do aspect and get focused on like, uh, okay, what are the things I'm doing? What are, like, what are the? I think it's easy to go. These are the good things that I'm doing. So that must be the things that yeah. 
corners trying to measure the success. And so at the end, I actually want to ask two rhetorical questions. Do I actually have a faith? Do I actually have faith moments and activities outside of the church calendar? I think that's mm. a good starting point. But then secondly, are those things really motivated by my faith? Yeah. And if not, what are the motivators? Like I think the motive part yeah. is actually really, really important because I think uh, I think a lot. I think Hannah talked about it a little bit this last mm. Sunday about feeling like doing the right things for mm. the wrong reason isn't really doing the right things. Nope. And so um, trying to encourage people to to walk and and think through that, like okay. If these are the right things, what are my motives for it? And maybe if you don't have the right motives, maybe you should not do them. Yeah. Yeah, our, our final question could be, you know, all right, what are you going to do outside of the church calendar? But the, the question that we are going to ask is, what impact does it have when you start evaluating your engagement in being the church by looking outside of things on the church calendar? Yeah. And so that's... Again, if you say success as a church is really engaging in the things that are on our calendar, so how does that impact you? Well, that would say I need to do more church things. Hopefully, the thing that we want to, again, the environment we want to evaluate success in is that we're motivated by our faith, and that has impact even beyond our church stuff. Yeah. I actually think a a success for these conversations would be if somebody goes, oh, I was doing all these things for the wrong reason, and so I'm just not going to do those right now, and I'm going to leave space in my life so that I can be motivated to do the right things. Because it's so easy to fill it up, and then you're just like, I don't have the the time to do any of the good things I want to do because I'm too busy doing all the things that I feel pressured into doing. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with a friend about that last night. We talked on the phone and he was saying I just I feel like I'm scrambling through life and I don't I keep saying yes to all these things that are good and I don't know how to not because it's either work stuff where he's paying his bills and providing for his family or it's like really good church calendar stuff that has value and that nobody in his community right now is stepping up to do and I have felt it too where I'm just like I don't have time to I don't even have time to figure out what my measures of success are <laughs> and so if you're listening now and you find yourself there uh, I guess we're saying you have permission to uh, take time to actually determine am I defining success correctly <laughs> and if not like I want to give myself time to figure out what success really looks like because when we actually build health in ourselves in that way, it empowers us to then actually be really strong in how we succeed. Not that we're automatically going to succeed at everything, but it enables us to like move forward in health and strength rather than, I'm just going to get there by any means possible, even if I have to kill myself to do it, you know? I don't, I don't think we have that written in anywhere, but maybe we should talk about it, is that... Uh, here in in this season, you know, when church wasn't allowed to meet and every event in the world got canceled, uh, by this measure, church can still be radically successful. Uh, when church is just the things that you do, uh, when it's the activities, when it's the meeting together, when it's doing more of those things, then uh, 
this season that we've experienced surrounding the, the pandemic is just eliminates all potential for success as a church. And I feel like, again, if we are animated, motivated by our faith, the restrictions that have been faced during this season have no impact on success. If we are, uh, success is measured by what we do as church community on our calendar, this has been a season of radical failure. <laughs> and uh, I just, it, this is not a matter of like moving the target in order to feel okay, but I, I really do feel like I've seen so many moments that have been the church really thriving in the midst of when the church hasn't been able to do anything organizationally. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I want to be stretched in that. It's yeah. good. Well, thanks for joining the conversation. Uh, we're going to continue this. Uh, we're uh, Over the next weeks, we are going to be, as I mentioned earlier, talking about success being surrounding our concept of local, early together, investing in the people that are most local to us, physically, geographically, uh, investing in them early before crisis and and doing that communally. We're also going to be building on this perspective of success is meeting needs of real people, uh, being the body of Christ for real people, not just uh, in concept to meet needs or do things that make us feel good. So yeah, it'll be fun to talk about these things, being trusted and trustworthy. But uh, yeah, go and be successful today. Success. See you later, guys.